everybody, and welcome to another episode of Courtside with Neil from Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We have with us today a tennis coaching veteran. He's had two different stints at the USTA. He was the associate head coach at the University of Virginia for three years, working with Coach Brian Bowen, where the team won three consecutive national championships, two national singles championships, and one national indoor championship. While he is no longer in collegiate coaching and no longer traveling as much helping guys on the pro tour, this guest is still entrenched in the tennis industry, acting as the business development manager at Hard True LLC. It is my privilege to welcome to the pod, Dustin Taylor. Dustin, thanks so much for taking time uh, today and, and walking us through your tennis journey. No, Dave, thanks so much for having me. Huge fan of the pod. Uh, you've had uh, a couple of my former players and coaching colleagues on here and really appreciate all that you do and appreciate you uh, having me on. I appreciate it. I mean, my gosh, Dustin, three years as a college coach and <laughs> you have three national team championships, two individual singles champions and one national indoor champion. Um, that's not bad. Yeah, that, that's right place, right time right there. If, uh, if uh, you're ever going to look up the definition. Um, <laughs> No, it, it was uh, three special years um, coming in, you know, after the team had already won one in 2013. So the monkey was kind of off the back of Virginia. You know, they had a, a, a tough one in the semis in 2014. And then, uh, and then uh, you know, Brian brought me in in the fall of 14. And, and um, yeah, the guys had a heck of a run. And um, I was lucky to be a part of it. And despite me, um, th there was there was tremendous success for the Wahoos. Awesome. Hey, before we kind of get started, I know when we're recording during a tough time right now, I know you just had another baby. This is five, five Taylors, I believe. And yep. um, congratulations on that. And I'm just hoping that, you know, everyone's doing okay um, during this pandemic and everyone's staying health, uh, you know, safe and healthy. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for uh, thank you for that, and 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 all the listeners. Same thing. Hopefully, everyone's hanging in uh, a, a year that we'll never forget for sure, but uh, a year to to be grateful for for the things you got and the people you got in your health and 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 all that. Yeah, we had a fifth child uh, at the end of June, um, our fourth girl, and um, you know that that was that was a little bit different since we couldn't have visitors in the hospital and you're waving through the window down to, down to, you know, the other kids and, and the grandparents, but everyone's happy, healthy. And, uh, you know, we're, we're really fortunate to, to, you know, be where we are. Well said. Thank you for, for sharing that. So we have a lot to unpack here. Um, you have a, a ton of awesome experiences. If you don't mind, let's start at the beginning, man. How'd you get started uh, in this sport? Oh, well, I grew up out in Portland, Oregon. Um, parents were actually both ski racers, uh, ski coaches. Um, father was in the ski industry. He worked for Rosnell Skis. He was a big sales rep out there on the West Coast. Um, I had three older sisters. They were all ski racers, soccer players. And then I came along. I was the baby, which would explain a lot. Um, but uh, but my, my mother picked up tennis after having me. And um, at our club where the daycare was one of the walls was uh, a window that oversaw court four there at mountain park racket club in lake oswego oregon and um instead of playing with the kids and playing with the toys you know i just sat there mesmerized by people hitting this yellow ball with this big racket with strings in it uh back and forth and 
asked my mom if, if, if I could do it. And, you know, at three years old, I'm out on the court batting balls around and, uh, you know, super fortunate. I had some of the best coaches just happened to be the, the coaches at that club at the time. Gunders Tomanis, who's a legendary Australian coach and uh, Mike Tamman, who's still coaching out in Portland. Both of them are still coaching out in, in, in the Portland, Portland area. Um, so again, started at three years old and, and let the fun begin. Yeah. Um, we're going to get to how eventually you got recruited and you actually played at two of your three top choices. But as far as your junior career, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of, of some of your highlights, and I know you spent some time at IMG Academy with um, a lot of great players. So I'm sure the listeners would be interested in hearing about some of that. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I was a decent junior, uh, not, not much to talk about, about my junior career when it comes, comes to um, accomplishments, but you know, I was a good little player, 10, 12 year old, um, and coach Mike De Palmer uh, came out to do a summer camp actually at my at my school one summer, and, and we housed him. So I developed a relationship with Mike De Palmer Sr., who now you know he's a Hall of Fame coach. Passed away earlier this year. Um, a number of us players were were at his funeral. He impacted a tremendous amount of people. Um, but I formed that relationship with him when I was 12, and um, you know he he then left University of Tennessee and went to IMG back to IMG, back to Boletaries. And that's what took me to Boletaries when I was, yeah, 14 years old. So I did, did two years of Boletaries. Um, back then, if you go to an academy like that, you don't really play nationals. You don't really, because they have, you know, non-designated and designated. And so didn't really play a ton of USTA tournaments or, um, you know, I'd play Florida tournaments and we, we'd have a lot of inner battles. But uh, those years at IMG were, were remarkable. You had, you had a, a little eight-year-old or nine-year-old uh, Maria Sharapova um, who was just a, a pistol and you could tell her competitiveness was going to take her far. You had Tatiana Golovin. Those were kind of the two young studs um, from the girls' side. And then you had uh, Xavier Melise, who was, I want to say, a year older than me. Uh, Paul Henry Matthew, another former top 100 player. And then you had Tommy Haas um, and uh, and you know, Marcelo Rios and it was, it was really the hotbed of, of tennis back then. Um, so it was, I was definitely in the middle, if not bottom of the pack there. And that was, uh, that was certainly humbling coming from, I don't, I wouldn't say I was a big fish in a small pond up in Portland, Oregon, but you know, you, you, you think you're a lot better than you are. And then you go down and, and you're with guys like that day in and day out and you, you learn real quick, you got a ways to go. So, um, you know, was there until uh, my junior year of high school, returned home, um, was a touch burned out, to be honest. I, I, I think I had a little bit of resentment towards the game because, you know, it, because I was good at tennis or okay at tennis, it, it took me away from my family life and my normalcy. It took me away from soccer, a sport that I loved as well. And, uh, you know, you kind of put all your eggs in one basket and, and go to IMG. And, and um, so I, I, I was a little burned out, returned home and honestly lived a really normal, normal uh, junior and senior year. I played soccer through it, through those two years, um, played tennis three, four times a week with my coach uh, at my local club. And um, again, just kind of reset, to be honest. Um, so again, not a ton of, not a ton of accomplishments, but you know, I, I still was fortunate enough to have decent enough results to be recruited at a division one level. Um, and, and that, that's what, that's what eventually took me to University of Wisconsin. Yeah, I want to touch base on that a little bit. So you did get rec recruited by Wisconsin. You got recruited by Tulsa. 
And I believe yep. you were recruited and interested in one other school. What was that? University other? of Utah. Yeah. University which, of Utah. Which, which uh, you know, almost took me down there for my parents wanting to, wanting to probably ski in Salt Lake more, than, uh, more than anything. <laughs> so you, you wind up going to Wisconsin and yep. you, you actually like it. Um, we'll get to why you transferred in a bit. It wasn't because you were unhappy there at all. Yep. But um, you start your college career at University of Wisconsin. I guess uh, you have a, you don't mind the freezing cold because I think the winters up in Madison are worse than the winters in Chicago. And that's saying something. So um, we know you will wind up at Tulsa and have a great collegiate career, but why don't you kind of walk us through that journey um, starting at Wisconsin and then why you chose to leave and, and, and finished up at, at Tulsa. Yeah. So I looked at those three schools, as you mentioned, um, chose Wisconsin for, you know, the, the number one reason is at that time, I, again, I still wasn't, wasn't in love with the game. I, I was I was using college as an opportunity to to help financially, um, obviously, and and also get me into a really good school academically. Um, and and Wisconsin was a top five business school in the country. So um, that and also you know they 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 won the Rose Bowl my senior year of high school when I was being recruited. They won the Frozen Four. I'm a little bit of a hockey fan, believe it or not. And uh, and then they they reached the Final Four in hoops. So what years? So what years are you talking about? Like 2000? That, that was 99, and then was I 99, went 2000. That was the Michigan yeah, 90, State Wisconsin 1917 yeah. halftime score. I think you, in the final. There you go. You got it. That was a defensive uh, battle, to say the least. Um, so yeah, I went there 2000, 2001. Loved my experience, um, loved my teammates, had, a, had actually had a really, really good year, um, all things considered for how kind of minimal my junior career the last you know, two years leading into it were and how much I, I, I really competed. Um, and I think I finished like nine and four in the Big Ten and started at six and, uh, and finished playing three in the Big Ten tournament. And um, you know, I had a great coach there, Pat Klingelholtz, He's a, he's a Midwest legend or a Wisconsin legend. Um, he would, he would be ice fishing at four 30 in the morning, pick me up at six in the morning, um, go for my individual. He, he, I, I knew he was fishing cause I could smell it on him. And, uh, and he would just, uh, put me through the ringer. You know, he was tremendous transition coach, got me to play sort of a different brand of tennis. And, uh, honestly, it might've been, might have been my best year of development that I that I had in my tennis uh, my, my tennis journey. So um, you know, finished that year and had the real tough decision of of staying there at Wisconsin and having to change my major because my grades weren't going to get me into the business school, which uh, which would say that I'll lean towards I, I I focused a lot on my tennis, but I probably had a little <laughs> bit of fun too. Um, it's hard not to on State Street, Madison, but. Uh, but you had to have you had to have really really good grades your freshman sophomore year. I think it was a three seven five or above somewhere around there, and uh, and I wasn't going to be able to get it even if I had a four zero both both semesters my my sophomore year. So um, had the decision to make of of not going to business school, which was really my dream and my desire going through the recruiting process, and uh, you know decided to transfer to uh, to Tulsa. You know I looked at. Kind of a Tulsa SMU TCU. I need. I knew I needed, or I, I wanted a little bit of a smaller academic setting. Um, Wisconsin was a little overwhelming for me, to be quite honest, from an academic standpoint. Um, and so, you know, Tulsa it was. And it, I mean, it turned out to be great. You were an ITA Division One All American, NCAA quarter finalist. I mean, this was something. Again, you hear a lot of people transferring, um, maybe for not so 
so positive reasons. Yeah, yours was negative in that, you know, you were shooting for that business school, but yeah. you transferred and you had positive experiences at both schools. So yeah. um, pretty, pretty cool. The next, the, the next topic I really want to dive into is your transition into coaching. And for the listeners, your order was basically a stint at the USTA. Um, you, you did some stuff before that that you walk us through, but, but generally with the USTA, you had USTA, then you went to University of Virginia for those three years. You did, yep. you know, halfway decent there, just winning all those championships. And That's then funny. you went back to the USTA. So that gives a background. But um, yep. I understand the coaching thing. I, I know it's in your blood, but you started in the corporate world uh, for a few months right out of school. And uh, how'd that work out for you? Yeah, I, uh, you know, you, you finish school and you think you're a bit of a hot shot, like, uh, like mo at least I did, and um, thought I would you know, I get in with Nike, get in with Adidas, being a Portland kid and having a, having a, a decent college career to put on my resume. And, you know, they, no openings, sorry. Uh, so I, I, I applied to a ton of jobs out, out in Portland and, and had a friend that, uh, whose father worked at Ferguson, um, which is a piping and plumbing, one of the largest global piping and plumbing uh, companies in the, in, in, yeah, in the world. And um, just started as a sales associate. And uh, the great thing about that company is if, if you come in under a managerial role, you start out in the, uh, in the warehouse, um, printing pick tickets, getting out in the warehouse and, and, and pulling product, boxing it up, shipping it, pulling pipe off of trucks, um, inventory, and you really learn the ins and the outs, but they're long days. And, and you're, you're, uh, you're working seven to six, dark to dark in Portland, Oregon, um, you know, January, February, March. And, uh, you know, my, my coach, I, I had the rackets completely put away. Um, I had a stint right after college where I, where I worked with Ryan Williams for a little bit. Um, and he had some success to where the, the USTA actually, uh, they went with the USTA rather than hiring me privately. Um, so I put the rackets away and then, you know, my coach called my, my club coach that I alluded to earlier, Mike Canapo called and said, Hey, you know, come help these juniors. I'll, I'll put together the four best girls, four best guys. We'll have two different courts, um, Monday, Wednesday night from six to eight. And, uh, you know, it'd be good for you to stay in the game a little bit and get back to the club. And, um, you know, I, I think you'd enjoy it. So, you know, did, did that beg my job to let me off at five thirty so I could run there and, and change out of my, uh, my canvas, uh, uniform. And, um, you know, before I knew it, you know, three weeks into it, I'm, I'm thinking, boy, these are the best four hours of, of my week. Uh, not that I, I wasn't grateful for the opportunity at Ferguson and I really enjoyed what I was doing there, but it was another level being out on the court, uh, trying to impact, you know, young people and, and tell them your story and pretty much everything, what not to do which is a big way that I coach because I, I made a tremendous amount of mistakes throughout my career and had, you know, backwards mindset to be quite honest. So um, started coaching some juniors, decided to step away from Ferguson. And, um, and then I had, a, I had a buddy, Brian Wilson, who was the number one collegiate player actually in 2004, our senior year, uh, reach out and, and ask if I could just come and, and uh, spend a week with them down in, down in Mexico City. Um, cause he had really been struggling and, and I was kind of that guy that, you know, I'd follow my friends that were out on tour chasing the dream. And if they were struggling, I'd shoot them a text and, you know, say, hang in there and believe in yourself, trust the process, all, all those, all those, uh, you know, coaching quotes. And, um, 
so he took me down to Mexico City and you know he said I'll, I'll give you 250 bucks and 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 pay your expenses and uh, that was pretty generous for 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 just a, a guy just jumping on the road with them I I probably would have paid him if I could and <laughs> um and lucky enough he had a he had a good week won his first two matches and uh, ran into a a uh, young man by the name of Joe Wilford Songa in the quarters. Uh, won the he could play. Sets. He could play a little yeah. bit. He had a decent career. Uh, hopefully, he's not done yet. Um, and uh, and I'll never forget Brian. He came in on set point in the first. And we had a game plan. You know, it's it's uh, altitude and pressureless balls. We had we had a game plan that you know you come forward and and you play this you know kind of they call it the banana slice now where you, you cut the inside of the ball and and you play. And then I said, and then just sit on cross because, you know, it's tough to going to be tough for him to take that line. And really, you got to compress the ball in the altitude. Otherwise, you miss every ball. And so he sat on cross and put away a volley and he pointed at me. That was you, coach. And I was like, wow, this is this is actually a lot of fun. And uh, so he finished that tournament and he said, hey, anyway, I can get you through the U.S. Open. And um, and I, I said, let's do it. So unfortunately, I I I. I called back my juniors and I put them all in different situations with different coaches back in Portland and just hit the road, lived out of a suitcase with Brian. And, you know, he, he really, he was, he was big to me cause he said, Hey, I've been out here for a while. There's not that many coaches. Um, you know, a lot of the coaches are getting old and, and um, you know, stepping away. I think that, you know, with your, the way you go about things, your professionalism and, and uh, you know, you dress the part, I think that you could, you could do well out here. So you know, within two months, I had Brennan Evans, and a month after that, I had Jesse Witten, and those were my 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 first three guys on tour for the first year. Um, Jesse Witten, I just want to throw this story on Jesse, and I know you. It was a little bit after your time, but Jesse had an unbelievable. I still remember watching it to this day. Had an unbelievable match with with Novak Djokovic at the Open, and he yeah. lost him four sets. And I, I think he may have won the first set, and the fourth may have gone to the tiebreaker. But it was an yeah. absolute battle that match. That yeah. was a fun match to watch and the stadium was electric i remember he had rocking and rolling yeah he had a ton of friends in town you know he's, he's a kentucky wildcat legend um and and i actually had a player playing i, I want to say on like court seven and i and so you know you're checking the scores and on changeovers you know the the scoreboards cycle through so you're waiting for the the update of the score and uh you could hear that stadium roar and it we knew Jay awesome. Witt was in a battle over there, which was really cool to see because Jesse was – he was a heck of a player. I mean, one of the best college players of all time. If you look back on his scores, I mean, he would beat people like Amir Delic and 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 I, I don't, I don't want to throw other names out there, but I don't know he got Amir pretty good. But he would beat the top the, – the other top five, top ten guys, like one and two, two and one. He was just such a good returner. Um, I was lucky enough to play him once in college – and I got him at the All-Americans, uh, and I got him at 9 a.m. in the morning. So I, I, I thought I had a chance, and because uh, I'd get him before he got really the lights turned on. And uh, you know, sure enough, I got up 4-1, and he woke up, and and he 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 beat me five and two, I think it was, or he <laughs> gave me a pretty good whipping after that. But uh, great player, thing. Jesse Wynn, and, and an even better guy, even better guy. So your journey continues on, and eventually the USTA comes calling, huh? Yeah. So. After those three guys, um, the next guy was Robert Kendrick, who gave me a, you know, that, that, that's probably your breakthrough guy um, when you're 24 years old and out on tour is to get a guy that, that had been in the top 100 before. And, uh, you know, honestly, he taught me a, more, a lot more than I taught him, um, you know, because, again, he'd been there. He's, he'd done that. 
he taught me, you know, how to travel right, how to, even though, you know, he relied on me for a number of things because I'm his coach. He also, you know, I, I paid great attention of kind of his habits and, and how he went about things. And, um, and so, so Robert gave me my first break at a top hundred player. Um, he had dropped down to 150. So he was playing all the challenger events with my guys and uh, Robert just funny story. Actually, he was looking for somebody to jump out on court late night in Baton Rouge. And I had just finished with one of my guys and I was in the locker room and uh, he just came up to me and said, Hey, Hey DT, uh, any chance you could just jump out on court with me for a few minutes, I need to get a hit. And so we went out, we hit, had a good hit. And, uh, and then a, a month or so later, a few months later, he, he, he gave me a call and said, Hey, let's, let's, let's give this a go. So it was him. And then, and then Ryan Sweeting uh, for two years as well with Robert. And so I always had a team of two or three guys. And so my last team before USTA was Robert Kendrick, Ryan Sweeting, and a, a very young cheesehead and uh, Tim Smichek, who is, I know, one of your favorites and the salt of the earth, one of my favorite guys on the planet. I mean, uh, one of the nicest guys that, you know, I, I haven't met nearly as many guys as you have on tour, but um, just whether it's at tournaments or, or talking, he's one of the nicest guys around. He is an absolute yeah, gem, sportsman. absolute gem. Yeah, and great sportsman. I, I think a lot of people remember that match with Rafa where he gave Rafa a first serve at five all in the fifth or, or yep. whatever it yep. was. Yep. Uh, just an a amazing guy. And the great part was, you know, it, we'll get to it, but my second stint with the USTA, I, I was reassigned to, to Tim. And we, we, had a, we had a little reunion tour, and he had a couple good results to get back in the top 100 briefly and get his pension, which was, which was a big number one goal in 2019 or 18, 19. Um, so yeah, Tim, we, yeah, I, if you I, don't mind me just plug it. And it was one of my earlier podcasts. This is from a few years back. So the technology is not nearly as good, but Tim was on the podcast and we talked about his journey, including the, you know, the match with Rafa. So, yep. um, again, sorry that the technology won't be as good as it is now, but if you, if you want to hear, um, Tim's journey, go check it out. It's one of my earliest podcasts. You, you can, you can search it and find it. Um, Tim, like I said, is just an absolute gem, absolute yep. gem. Yep. Dead on. Um, so then, yeah, then uh, took, took a job with USTA. You know, um, it, it was a great opportunity presented to myself. Uh, in 2009, I was getting married. Then, you know, looking to have a young family. And, uh, you know, the stability that, that comes with, you know, being a USTA national coach was, was obviously super appealing and it's an, it's an absolute privilege and honor to be a national coach, you know, sure. um, at, at, at anything. So, um, took that job and, and, uh, you know, worked under Jay Berger, Jose Hungaris, and we had a remarkable staff of coaches that, that many, many would know now and Mike Sell, Mark Merklin, um, Ricardo Acuna, Andy Brandy, Kent Kinnear, that was our that was our locker room of coaches. Um, I mean, that's your graduate school. That's your master's in coaching. Exactly, that's your master's program right there. Being being in the office with those guys on rainy days in Boca were were days I won't ever forget. You know, I I, I stole a tremendous amount of drills, ideas, thoughts, experiences um, from those guys, and you know, forever grateful to to that to that bunch that uh, that took in. You know, I think I might have been the youngest the youngest national coach ever to come on board. I think I was twenty eight. And, uh, you know, they, they're thinking, who is this guy? And, um, you know, they, they took me in and, and it was, it was a great four years of, of, of my life, my wife's life and my young family's life. So then college coaching calls, how'd that come about? And, uh, <laughs> how'd you wind up at the university of Virginia? 
Yeah, so my last two years at uh, USTA, I was the, the collegiate national coach. So I was the national coach dedicated towards collegiate tennis. It was actually a role that, um, that, that I created the job for. I, I created the job description. I went to Jay because I was working with Ryan Williams, Tennis Sandgren, Stevie Johnson, Bradley Klon. Um, and I was working with guys that were currently in school, like a young Mackie McDonald, a young Marcos Giron. And I said, Jay, what about having a coach that really focuses on all the guys while they're in school and then their first year and a half out? You know, because while I worked with those guys, I also worked with the likes of uh, Bjorn Fertangelo and Mitchell Kruger, um, Michael Redlicky and Alexio Salabi in their last year of juniors. So I would mix kind of college guys and um, juniors and, and pretty much take the guys to the futures. Um, and Jay said, oh, okay, well, um, looks like a great plan. You, you're going to do both the men and the women. So I was doing both the men and the women. I did that for two years. Really, really fun experiences. I had, you know, collegiate national coaches I hired in the summers. Um, they, they were, they were so fun to work with. All the players were a blast. Keep in touch with a number of them. Um, hate to put down the guys that are listening, but the girls actually keep in better touch than the guys. Um, <laughs> and, uh, funny how that works, but, um, but I got to know Brian Boland through that process because he had a, a lot of top college guys, you know, he had Domajan, he had Jameer Jenkins, he had Mitchell, young Mitchell Frank. Um, and I had known Andres Pedroso as assistant for, for quite a while, um, you know, dating back, our, our careers actually are very parallel in a lot of ways. He was USDA national coach. We both worked with Ryan Williams. He came up here to Virginia and I got a call one day from Andres and he said, Hey, just need to let you know that I'm, I'm leaving the university of Virginia. And uh, I'm telling you this as a friend, I'm telling you this because of your current job overseeing college players and working with, with our players, you know, in the summers and in the, and in, and in the off seasons. Um, and I'm also going to tell you that Brian Bowen's going to come after you. And, uh, and I said, Oh, you know, Brian's got no chance. You know, I, I've got, I've got my, my perfect job. I drew this job up myself. Like this is my dream job. Um, I've got kids now I'm supplemental coaching. So I'm not completely consumed with one or two guys and chasing and chasing and chasing. It was a really, really great job. And, uh, so sure enough, a few hours later, Brian Bowen calls and, uh, I'll never forget it. He goes, doesn't say a word. First thing comes out of his mouth is, uh, so how do you look in orange and blue? And I said, well, Brian, I, I look a lot better in red, white, and blue. And he said, oh, that, that'll change. And uh, I said, Brian, no, no, no. You know, I've, I've got a great situation out here at USDA. I love what I'm doing. Um, and he said, okay, okay, what's your wife's number? And, uh, and I, said, <laughs> I said, if you can talk my wife into leaving the life that we're living right now, uh, good luck. So I went on a two-week challenger swing in Lexington, Kentucky, and then Binghamton, New York. And sure enough, uh, I get a call from my wife in Binghamton that uh, her and the kids are flying up to Charlottesville, Virginia for a visit. And, uh, and, and I drive down from Binghamton because my flights get canceled. We have a dream of a weekend. And uh, the rest is history, to be honest. Well, he, knew, he knows how to recruit. And he definitely recruited the that, right person in the Taylor. That family. he does. Yep. You look up the word relentless and it's a, it's a picture of Brian Bolin. So, yeah. I mean, we've talked about the unbelievable uh, accomplishments you, you achieved there with him um, during your time at Virginia. None of us know what the future holds, Dustin, but if you were to ever go back into collegiate coaching, you set yourself up to try to meet an unbelievable bar that I don't know if anyone can meet. So I'm just throwing that warning out there. <laughs> Not that you ever shy away from any challenge, but my yeah. God, three years in collegiate coaching to, 
to do what you guys accomplished was ridiculous. Yeah, no, again, it was, it was like I said earlier in the, in, in the, in the pod that it was, uh, it was three years. I think all of us will, will never, never free. It was truly special. It's, uh, you know, some teams have a dynasty and they're not that close or they, you know, they, it was just so much talent, which again, we might've been, but, um, but we, we really, uh, the, the relationships that, that, that we all created during that time, um, all the guys buying into the, to the culture, um, everybody, you know, playing for something bigger than themselves. And, uh, you know, the staff was really just a humble servant of a staff. And we, we all just wanted to be spokes in the wheel. You know, Brian would, Brian would have 6 a.m. Uh, Monday morning meetings for the staff um, Tuesday during the season because Monday would be off. Um, and we would have 15 staff members there um, just because staff wanted to be a part of it. You know, from an academic advisor to uh, our sports psychologist to our nutritionist, you know, they had, they, 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 it was completely optional. And, uh, you know, Brian just invited them, said, Hey, if you want to come, come. And, um, you know, you, that's pretty special. That that's pretty rare. And, uh, the nice thing is I think the guys and, and the staff all knew that it was pretty special and pretty Yeah. Rare. I mean, that says something about the culture and especially when you say something's optional and basically everyone's going because they want to be there. It's not optional. It's it's not even viewed as mandatory. It's that, look, this is an invitation to go. Everyone wants to be a part of it. That's yeah. so, so awesome. So then we know that Brian left. He went, yeah. he went to the USTA. You yeah. shortly then followed, I believe, at the USTA. So how was that second stint? Yeah, so, you know, to be, to be quite honest, Brian was uh, – Brian kind of said, you know, I'm not doing this without you. Um, you, you, know, you know the drill down there. You know the culture, you know the the political side of it, obviously. Um, you know, you got a taste of it. And uh, you know, I'm I'm not gonna do it without you. And and I honestly didn't want Brian to pass up on that opportunity, you know. Um great honor to be head of men's tennis. And and I tell people all the time that there's two my two number one and number two jobs in tennis are to be head of men's tennis and to be head of University of Virginia. Those are the two, you know, I mean, you could say head of Texas, head of Florida, you know, but being a head coach at a top, you know, five school. And then you add Charlottesville, Virginia, which is a really special town to, to raise your kids um, in, a, in, a, in a prestigious university. Uh, again, those are the two best jobs. And, you know, I, I went with Brian, honestly, because if, if, uh, if, if Brian, you know, does three, four five years there, does a really good job, which I, I knew he would if he stuck it out. Um, you know, I, I would have a chance at that number one job, you know, so kind of gave up the number two job to go after the number one job. And, uh, you know, we went down there and, and I, I really loved my time again, a, a new staff, new, some new coaches, um, but also some old coaches, you know, Nicolas Tadero, close friend was still on the staff. Um, so it, it was fun to reunite with him. Diego Moyano was on the staff prior, um, you had Dean Goldfein come on, who was one of the coaches that I respect with 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 as much as anyone. Um, and then Jose was still on the staff, and and so you know, again, great staff, great staff to work with. Um, and I got to work with some really great players. Uh, you know, I, I was I was paired back with I had JC Aragon um, right after college, and you know, he qualified for the Open two months after playing five in the NCAA final, which was amazing. amazing. Uh, I think, yeah, we had. 
we had two guys. Ty had the main draw wild card because he won the NCAA singles. And then we had JC qualify into it, which was just so special. Um, and then I, I reunited with, with Tim right away. And, uh, you know, Tim, Tim was looking to retire. He was kind of, kind of winding down that last year that I was at Virginia. And I had a, I had a hint that this was, that this was going to go down. And so I said, Tim, just hang in there. You know, there's a chance that, that I might be back in your world in some capacity. Just please hang, hang around 200 or 150. And, and, and he did. And, so I paired back up with him. He had a good run, uh, got back up to the top 100, which was nice to see, really cool to see. We shared some great experiences. He got pension, you know, five years in the top 110 yeah. or 20, whatever it is. And I, saw then, one of his, uh, I saw one of his very last tournaments in the Winneka Challenger, actually. That's 20 minutes, uh, 20 minutes south of where I live, basically. Yeah. So in I, 2019, he played that Winneka yeah, he, he lost to Tommy, I believe. And then we were back on the court and then uh lost to and then, jared and Winneka, he lost to jared hiltzik early he oh, lost okay that would have i'm not sure what 2019 that i think it was okay. 2019 okay because um, they didn't have it this past or was it 2008 i'm getting confused with the years with this pandemic i think yeah, it was 2019 yeah. gotcha um, yeah so two, he, 2019 i i had smechek but i also had a dennis kudla uh in the beginning, in the off season of 2018, um, I started working with Dennis. He was assigned okay. to me. And so the reason he didn't see me at that one I could challenge her is I was over with Dennis on the grass. Gotcha. Um, or in Newport. I'm not sure yeah, where Yeah, it was 2019. I, I remember now. Yeah. Um, and so, and again, so I, you know, SME was a real highlight. Working with JC, working with a lot of the Americans that I knew as young kids that are now a pros. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun to go back and kind of reunite with. And then you know, I, I think probably between Tim and, and Kudla's resurgence, you know, that was a really special, you know, two years back with USTA. Um, you know, Dennis was, I think he went from 170 to 56 in, yeah. uh, in 2019. Really Got to the semis of Halle. That was one of the cooler experiences I've ever been a part of. You know, I lost to Feder five and six um, or six and five. Uh, had four, three, love 40 in the second. And, uh, and, Got in the love 40 point and then fed fed served pretty well the rest of the game to get out of the hole. Um, but it, it was, it, you know, Dennis, I worked with as a secondary coach with Diego Mayano being his primary coach when he was 19, 20, 21. Um, so again, guys that I had spent time with before and then, uh, and then reunited with, which was, which was really a blast. So super, I, super cool. Yeah. So now you're kind of back in the, in the corporate world, but I am so glad in the sport of tennis is so glad that you're still entrenched in the sport and you're working for a company called Hartru LLC. So yes. tell, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got involved in that and what exactly you're doing for the company. Yeah, so after 2019, um, you know, my, my family really wanted to move back here to Charlottesville. Uh, Orlando was a little much, especially with the travel that that I uh, was going through. So, decided to move my family back here to Charlottesville, and um, and I think I would have stepped away from coaching after 2018, um, except Kudla had such a good year. You know, he finished 56 in the world, like I said, and uh, and so we sat down together, and I I, I said, hey. If, if we stop now and you go into a new situation, are you going to have regrets if you don't then go to 20 and have more success? And, uh, and he said, yes. And I said, me too, you know, so let's take this private. Let's, let's put in, let's, let's see how far we can go. Um, but just know that it, the second that it starts to, to get away from us, you know, I, I'm going to look to, to tr transition and be with my family and, 
you know, it's probably time to focus on my family. Um, so again, I worked with Smichek, uh, Kudla, and then a couple guys that base here out of Charlottesville and Ryan Shane, Alexander Richard, those guys, whenever we happen to all, you know, be in Charlottesville back home. So, you know, worked with Kudla and, 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 and the whole crew, mainly Kudla because Smi had some injuries and knew he was retiring at the open last year. Um, and Dennis and I had a training week before the summer series and we, we, we did it here in Charlottesville at the University of Virginia courts on the hard courts. Never been our favorite courts. Um, I know that's probably a secret to some people because the Who's don't lose on those courts. But part of the reason we didn't lose on those courts is they're not very fun to play on. And, uh, you know, they're super temperamental. And, and we, we loved it because we got uncomfortable on a daily basis. And, and as us coaches preach, you got to be comfortable getting uncomfortable and, you know, not playing your best tennis. And, uh, and we, we, we had this training week and the courts were playing great. And uh, it might have just been in our head, who knows, but I called Andres Pedroso, the head coach, and I said, hey, you know, what do you do to the courts? You know, they're playing way better than they've ever played. And, uh, you know, at that time, I know nothing about tennis courts. And he goes, well, you know, I'm thinking they added more sand or, you know, something like that. So he goes, well, we actually went with Hard True. Um, I said, Hard True, you know, they were the green clay company. And uh he said, no, 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 they're, they're looking to, to get into, into hardcore coatings world. And um, yeah, so I said, well, interesting. I, I, I knew their president, knew of their president here in town. Uh, they're Charlotte, Charlottesville-based tennis company, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces with now, you know, red clay, American red clay, which is at Houston, um, the green clay, which... 37, 35 professional events are on, Futures, Charleston WTA event. Um, and now Hard True Sports Coatings, which is our hardcore product, which is at, at World Team Tennis, the official hardcore service of World Team Tennis. You know, so, I mean, what are the chances, right, that I move my family back and there happens to be the world's largest manufacturer of clay court services, equipment, and accessories right in our backyard. So I reached out to them, asked if I could be a consultant while I was out on the road finishing up with, with the boys. And they were, they were, super awesome to work with. And then, um, as I look to transition off the road, um, you know, they, they presented me with an opportunity and, uh, and it was either that or medical device sales with striker. And, um, I wasn't ready to <laughs> completely be done with tennis, to be honest. No, no, you're not. And, pl and please don't be. And, you know, bef before we conclude, and again, we, we don't know what the, the future is for any of us. Um, yeah. I, I do want to ask you one, you know, you said something to me off, you know, before we, we hit the record button about how coaching is so special because you could be with a person, you know, male or female, where one week can change that person's life. Yeah. And every week is an opportunity to change your life. And, and I thought about that um, for a while. And, and, you know, we've talked a couple times now. And I keep thinking about that. And I want to ask you, you know, do you miss being in the trenches? I mean, uh, I mean, you, you coached at the highest level and yeah. you've been extremely successful and, you know, you, you make statements like that and it really hit home with me. I never really thought, you know, about it like, wow, you know, the, the impact every week is an opportunity to change your life. Um, yeah. so I guess I kind of put you on the spot here and I apologize to do it, but, no. um, you know, when do you miss it? And do you, do you see yourself leaving that door open and maybe get back, getting back into it? Yeah, I, I, I'd be lying to you if I, if I didn't say I, I, I don't miss it. I don't miss 
I don't miss the tour because that's a big fraternity of like-minded people that are traveling the world. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer that life's about experiences and relationships and the tour brings just that. A hundred percent, Dustin. I'm a hundred percent on that. You know, so, so each week you're, you're having unbelievable experiences, new experiences you've never had before. Um, you know, even if you're going to Wimbledon the 15th time, you know, there, there's something new, there's something new, newly built, there's new opportunity, there's, you know, so a, a new uh, show in town, there's something that's new every single week. So, um, you know, the tour is, is, is something special. I try to remind guys out there because it's easy to lose perspective when you're out there. Um, it, it's easy to want to be home and the grind wears you down and you know all you do is you you eat in, in your hotel room and you go to the courts and then you go back to your hotel room and you don't really you know get out and, and experience it but I'd be lying to you if I if I said I, I I don't miss the tour I don't miss the relationships I don't miss the people the fraternity um and then yeah the 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 adrenaline that comes in you know each week seeing what that work the prior week uh, results in, you know, and, and you, you can't be result oriented, but you know, at the end of the day, it does come down to results, but you know, you, you're excited, you're chomping at the bit to see if, you know, you shirt up a few things and tackled if they were mental demons from the week before, seeing if you tackled those. Um, if you're, if your backhand broke down the week before, seeing if you tackled that. Um, and so the amount of instant results that you get, um, in uh in coaching is um uh, you know again you're not going to find that in too many other things you know i'm i'm now now in business development with hard true and the sales cycles are much longer than a sales cycle coaching tennis you know because <laughs> you can have your guy in the dumps on monday he loses first on at 11 and then uh the next week he wins the tournament and you've gone from low to high in in you know 13 days so um do I see myself back in it? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I mean, but right now I need to coach my kids. You know, that's, that, that, that was the real reason I, I stepped away was cause I, I didn't, I didn't want my last child to go to college and, and me, you know, fly in from Paris and uh, for the graduation and be like, what, what just happened, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I think I'm fortunate enough to kind of have that forward thinking and, and uh, just say, hey, it, it's while my kids want me around and in the house, which will change when they're teenagers, um, you know, I, I, it's time to impact my kids and, and, uh, and coach my kids. But to be honest, hard truths, I, I, they've, they've offered the opportunity that if a top 100 guy came calling, so all you top 100 guys out there that are listening, uh, that if they, if they wanted, uh, you know, all these, all these top hundred, especially top 50 guys, they have, you know, their primary coach and then they'll have a secondary coach do eight to 10 weeks. Um, and if somebody presented that opportunity, um, you know, hard true would allow it, you know, good for business, good for me to continue to uh, stay, stay in the game in some capacity. So don't be surprised if, uh, <laughs> if you see me with the coach's hat on at one of these tournaments, one of these days, um, fortunate enough to still have a couple former players that are out there and right in that range. But uh but again, whatever's best for them, if I get the call, then, and it's what's, and they need me, then it'll be tough to turn down for a couple of weeks out of the year. Dustin, this was uh, so much fun for me. This was an absolute privilege to, to walk Likewise. through your journey with you, man. I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. And I just want to wish you best of luck in your um, professional career, uh, whichever appreciate route it takes you. And, um, also to, to you and your family, I know you got, you know, five young kids, um, 
best of luck, man. This was, this was great talking with you. No, really. Thank you, Dave. I can't thank you enough for having me on. If you want to do round two, you let me know. Um, and to, to all the listeners out there, keep having fun out on that tennis court. And uh, hopefully I, I cross paths with all of you one day, one day soon. Thanks so much, Justin. We'll, we'll talk soon.